Hola mi gente, bienvenidos. I'm your host Lore and this is Creepy Chisme. Some stories and info are not suitable for all, especially young children. Listen at your own risk. Hola mi gente, it's your girl Lore. Trying not to shiver because it is cold as the underworld here in Chicago today. Whoa, what a crazy week we've had. This weather this week has been... Mm. I'm sick of snow now. We're done. All right. Let's move on. Spring, where you at? Because, yeah, we've had enough snow this week for the whole winter. Uh, we actually had a snow day. Well, not a snow day because, you know, that doesn't exist anymore. Um, it was a e-learning day, I think is what it's called now, where the kids just do work online. But we're only allowed like so many of those and then we get back into like snow days if we need them. But I think that'll be it for the winter, I hope. Well, it's really cold today. It was, it's been pretty cold. Uh, it was actually so cold the other day that my mascara on my eyelashes was freezing as I was walking into work. <laughs> and I know I'm getting older because the cold is so bad that I feel it in my bones and like old people used to say that I remember as a kid hearing old people say that and well not old people but older people <laughs> but yeah now I know what they mean when they're like oh my bones are cold yeah I don't know and I'm pretty thick so that's a lot of fat to get through to reach my bones <laughs> so it's either my age or global warming meaning it's really happening and it's getting colder in the midwest and snowing in Texas which is crazy. I actually don't mind the snow. It's more so the cold. <laughs> I find the snow very peaceful, actually. Like, shoveling, it's such a good meditation for me. Which, by the way, listening to my friend Maria's podcast, where she teaches you like how to successfully meditate, I've learned that not only is meditating good, but we all do it every day. And you don't even realize it. We meditate while we're walking, concentrating. It's it's crazy, but it does help us and you don't even realize you're doing it. But I strong, I strongly recommend you meditate every day, even if it's only for like a minute. It benefits us a lot. It really does. And and if you are into that and you want to learn more as well as just get some real and raw advice and coping skills for life, then go check out my friend Maria's podcast. It is a bilingual podcast, so she records in English and then in Spanish, which is double the work, so kudos to you, Maria. And it is called Maestría Tu Vida con Meditación. So if you're interested in that, go check it out. Uh, some other cool podcasts, though, that I've been listening to, love, 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 the Haunted Hermanas podcast, and it's hosted by three sisters, Cindy, Andrea, and Gabriela. And so far, I truly enjoy their show. I've just started listening. But not only do they have really good stories, but I love their just conversation. They're sisters, so the conversation's pretty easy uh, to listen to. And, you know, sometimes they pick on each other because that's what sisters do, right? But I really do like their uh, podcast. 
a lot of good and research-based information. Oh, and another podcast I found that is so funny and entertaining and I've never heard about and I can't believe it is Two Girls, One Ghost. Now, they have great episodes, but I truly love their live campfire stories episodes and encounter episodes. And I'm trying to catch up on them, but hopefully soon. They're so good. Um, So they actually go live on something known as Spotify Green Room, which maybe I'll look into later. Uh, where they are live with their listeners and then they invite their listeners up to tell a story and I just love hearing them. (laughs) So yeah, two girls, one ghost. Go give them a listen if you're into the paranormal stuff. But yeah, for all you podcast lovers like me, when you just need something to listen to, like I have to always put something on when I'm in my room getting ready, in the morning when I'm getting ready for work. Like I always have to listen to something. Alright, enough jibba-jabba, y'all. It is time for a creepy chisme update. In the past, I did an episode called Accident or Murder, where I went over one of the many cases that plague my mind. That is the Kendrick Johnson incident, where a 17-year-old boy was found dead in a rolled-up wrestling mat in very odd circumstances. Now many say foul play was involved, especially since the incident happened during school hours, but there's just like a lot of things about that case that just mm, don't sit well. Now if you haven't listened, I believe it's in one of my earlier episodes, go check it out. I really recommend it. But um, a recent investigation came up that reveals no evidence at all that this case was a cover-up Now, the case was reopened last March, and Sheriff Ashley Polk said after his investigation that he is sure 100%, that's a a big number there, that there was no foul play involved in this case. However, the death is still ruled as accidental, even though two independent autopsies revealed that there was blunt force trauma to the head. Now, the Lowndes County Police still believe firmly that Kendrick crawled into the mat to retrieve a pair of shoes that had gotten stuck and then burrowed into the mat until he was trapped and died. Now, something in this article I don't remember if I talked about was that the school camera in the gym had been moved to only capture one side of the gym. So on the day of the incident, all we see is Kendrick walk into the gym and out of frame, never to be seen again. Now, Sheriff Polk says in this article that the camera had been moved because a basketball hit it, and now it's aligned to its proper position. Well, shit, I hope it's aligned. It's been seven years. (laughs) But yeah, Polk just kind of tries to explain why it wasn't foul play. Now, I know my thoughts, and you can hear them on that episode because I get really heated talking about this case. But I just hope that at this point, Kendrick is at peace and in paradise. So yeah, just I just wanted to give that quick little update there. Um, the full article is posted on the Facebook group, guys. If I ever get updates, I'm going to post them on Facebook groups. And believe me, you want to go check it out because I've posted quite a few this week. I'm not going to get into all of them, but I did want to talk about that one and another one coming up 
in just a second. Uh, do you guys remember the Tristan Bailey case? The little guy. Little guy. <laughs> he was a guy. <laughs> He's 14 years old, I think. Um, he killed the girl, like stabbed her like over a hundred times and then claimed he was crazy. Yeah, him. He finally has a trial date, so I will be keeping my eye on that incident and see how that plays out. But what I can tell you is I do know that they are going to give him a first-degree murder charge for the case. So that's interesting. So yeah, I'll keep my eye on that one for y'all. And again, go check out the Facebook group and join because that's where you'll see any updates I have. Now, it has been a while since I have mentioned aliens. <laughs> and we all know how much I love me some aliens. So here's my alien news update. Well, I'm still here. So I guess my distress signal hasn't worked yet. <laughs> no, but I did find out that according to Stacker, Pennsylvania has recorded over 3,500 UFOs making them the number six state in a top 10 list of states that have reported sightings. Now in 1965, Pennsylvania had a very similar Roswell incident when this giant fireball seen by thousands across six states in total crashed into Kecksburg. Now the incident is said to have been recovered and covered up by the military. Shocker. And uh, John Podesta, who actually was Hillary Clinton's campaign chairman, he wanted these documents released regarding this incident. But, of course, that never happened. And if you are curious as to who the number one state is, it is brrr, California with over 10,000 sighting reports. Now, given their state is really big, and if you're an alien nerd like I am, then you'd know that California is near the ocean that is said to have many ocean UFO sightings. They live under the water, y'all. That's why they're pale and have large heads and big eyes, but that's for another time. <laughs> if you hear the noise in the back, it's my heater. I'm telling you, it's like 10 degrees today and the heat is going to keep turning on and off and I'm not turning it off because it's freezing even with the heat on. So bear with me y'all. <laughs> uh, another huge update I have for you though, I just found out like two days ago and I had to add it into my outline. I am so excited to finally announce that Netflix has won a $6.5 million bid to make a movie about the Demon House of Gary. Oh, y'all, this is so good. I get chills just thinking about it. Now, production will start this year. Um, Netflix, please don't cast Adam Sandler. That's all I have to say. And please create greatness and don't disappoint us. This could be so good. Now, if you do not know about the Demon House of Gary, well, go back and listen to episode three, season one. You won't regret it. It's a good episode. It's actually my top rated episode of all my episodes. And it's a terrifying story. My brother's got some really good scary stories on there too, if you like that kind of thing. It's a very terrifying story, and 
usually movies about possession are my ultimate fear. Like, those are the movies that get to me. I can't sleep at night. Still to this day, I can't watch The Exorcist alone, and it's pretty cheesy, but, like, I can't. Just the thought, because it can really happen, you know? So just laying there, and then the thought of everything is just like, "Mm mm-mm, no, no, no. So I might need someone to watch it with me. (laughs) So any takers, just message me, let me know. But yeah, I guess they have like a 30 million budget. So please don't disappoint us, Netflix. But I guess uh, some other people in the running were MGM and Miramax also. So Netflix won. Now director will be Lee Daniels, who is well known for movies like Precious and The Butler. So this is something different. (laughs) That makes me a little nervous. But apparently the movie's already been casted, so they want to get this moving. They know this is going to make them some dollars. Now, I just hope those working on this film protect themselves in some way because we all know movies like this tend to bring bad juju, you know? Definitely some dark forces around this story because I remember recording, just researching and recording that. Like, I was having nightmares um when my brother and I were recording it at his house like things we were hearing noises and just yeah (laughs) so just be careful with that Netflix but yeah I'm really excited and I just I just hope it's a decent film you know it could be great so yeah those are just some updates I had for you like I said go join Facebook groups if you want more updates Or sometimes I just find a really interesting crime or crazy crime or story or haunting or whatever And I'll post it there too. Alright guys, it is that time. So let's get creepy. Now I, like many others, have always been interested in what happens after we die. What happens to spirit? We know what happens to our physical self. We decay and we become nothing. We know this. We see it. We've studied it. But but there are also those who have claimed to see or have felt the afterlife. If only for a moment. This is known as a near-death experience. And as I was researching, I found out that there is something known as a shared death experience. So this guy, his name is Raymond Moody. He spent a lot of his time exploring the afterlife. What he discovered is that a lot of people experienced walking down a tunnel of bright light or into a bright light. Now, most people who have this shared death experience through, they have it through dreams where someone will dream a person and most times that person is happy or at peace. And then when they wake up, they find that that person they dreamed about passed away. So, Lala, if you're listening, this is what you experience. My sister have ha- has had those experiences where she'll dream a family member and then the next day we find out that they passed away. So that is known as a shared death experience. Now, lots of people have those, believe it or not. One woman said she had a dream. She was standing in front of a bright window And when she opened it, snow began to fall through not only the window, but also through her body. And as it passed through her, the flakes turned into points of light that would then blossom into like these little flowers. 
Now, at the same time, the woman could also hear her mother's voice. She couldn't see her, but she could hear her. And she felt this very strong sense of love or being in love. Now, the dream had affected her so strongly that she actually woke up with tears streaming down her face. And just a few hours after the dream, the woman received word that her mother had passed on. Now, Raymond Moody wrote books about stories like this, explaining what happens on a person's deathbed. But another major belief that Raymond believed in was past lives. Now, bear with me here. I know a lot of people don't believe in past lives, but just have an open mind like I always ask you to and just listen. Now, he claimed to have had nine past lives and says that many people have had many. Now, Raymond's most popular book is called Life After Life and explains these near-death experiences and some topics of reincarnation, which I'll get into later. Now, some things that he concluded in his studies is that almost every person experienced a feeling of peace or calm in the afterlife. Some felt this electricity running through their body and some would walk out of their physical form and actually see it. Now, I know from, ex not from experience, but I've heard from experience from people close to me that when they're having surgeries, a lot of times this happens where they step out and they can see the surgery happening, happening, see the doctors moving. And then when they explain it to the staff at the, when they come out of their surgery, it's like some things were on point, like, you know, someone was listening to a certain song or somebody was doing something, you know, it's really weird. Now, lots of people experience walking through this tunnel. Uh, it's either a dark tunnel or a bright tunnel, but usually ending with a very white light. Now, many also claim to see God or Jesus, but believe it or not, mostly Christians are the ones that report this. And some go to beautiful and very serene places. That's my dream. <laughs> I hope that's what I do. But no matter the case, there are always skeptics, of course, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know a few. Now, many believe that those who have these near-death experiences are just losing oxygen to the brain. So therefore, we start to hallucinate what they describe as death or the afterlife, which is why so many people see similar things, because that's our idea of death. But nobody truly knows till we die. So I can, that's actually a pretty good argument because when we lose oxygen to the brain, things like that start to happen, right? So skeptics, I'll give you a point there, but just listen, okay? <laughs> In the 20th century, this man by the name of William Barrett, who was a professor in Dublin that studied physics, uh, was married and his wife was a doctor who would tell him all these, all these stories of death because she was around it all the time. She described these common behaviors that she noticed in people who were on their deathbeds. And some of these included seeing deceased family members and talking to them, some seeing these religious deities, speaking nonsense or bringing up past life experiences. So William became you know, not obsessed, but like he, he was intrigued by these stories and why these people on their deathbeds and so close to death were having the same experiences. So he studied this term known as terminal lucidity. 
Now, most people who experience die within a few days after. Now, I've witnessed this with my grandpa and my tia. Not witnessed it one-on-one, but like my family witnessed this. And it's pretty much when someone is very sick and on their deathbed, and then they get this jolt of life, and you think they'll recover, and then all of a sudden, they get really bad and they pass away. It's almost as if they are given a chance to say goodbye properly. Like I can remember my grandpa was really sick. Like he had gone through some things and he just, the doctors were like, he's, you know, he's not going to make it. And, you know, my family is huge. (laughs) And so they would go visit him all the time, take shifts. I have like six DS and Theo. So they would all take shifts going just to make sure somebody was always there with him. And I remember the day before he passed, my mom came home from the hospital and she was like, he looks so good. She goes, we talked, you know, he just looked so good. Like he was responding. He was responsive, you know. And then I remember she came home from the hospital and that night we got the call. They wanted everybody at the hospital because the doctors already knew he was falling into a I don't know if it was a coma, but I just remember like it just went downhill. So yeah, it's amazing how that happens. And a lot of people have experience with loved ones they've lost. Uh, my Thea passed away recently. Her too, she was she was dying and the nurses were telling my aunts like she's not going to make it. And then one day she was perfectly normal, like just talking and even planning like, yeah, we're going to go uh you know, just talking about what she's going to do when she gets out, you know? And then the next day, she just went. She went. And for some reason, they're given a chance to make a memory with their loved ones for them to remember, like, that was a good day, you know? That was a really good day. But yeah, this is one phenomenon that science really can't explain why it happens. And a lot of religious believers believe that these people who experience this know that they are leaving this life. And so they're granted that final, that final moment right before entering their next chapter. As if something or someone has kind of reassured them that wherever they're going, they're going to be just fine. So they're kind of excited, you know? Now, one of the most wild stories in regards to terminal lucidity is the story of a 26-year-old woman named Anna Katarina Emmer. Now, she lived a very difficult life um, in an asylum because she needed to be cared for by nurses and physicians. Her whole life, she had been labeled severely retarded. So since birth, she couldn't do anything. She never learned anything. So now at the age of 26... She's having to be cared for 24-7. She never learned to speak and she couldn't do anything for herself. So the doctor said that she was wild and wasn't aware of anything happening around her. That's what they told her parents. Now, due to an unfortunate infection, Anna had to have her leg amputated. Now, the doctors called in her family because the doctor said that Anna wasn't going to make it or survive the surgery. But when Anna woke up, and came to, she was completely normal. And by normal, I mean this girl who had never spoken before was having full conversations with her family and the medical staff. She was very intelligent and very happy. 
She was so happy that one doctor said it looked as if she was experiencing spiritual ecstasy. Now this girl, 26 years of her life, okay? No talking, no response, nothing, nothing. And all of a sudden, she's speaking. How? How is this happening? This lasted for over a half an hour. And eventually, she did pass, but very happily. Now, this story of Anna is most times swept under the rug by scientists because there has been no explanation of how this happened. None whatsoever. (laughs) But that story, I've never heard it before, and that's so crazy. So yeah, life after death from a science point of view cannot really be explained. And I think that's why so many people who have had these near-death experiences all see these similar but different scenarios. It's wild, it's scary, it's fascinating all at once. Now another topic when it comes to life after death, or in this case, life before life, is past lives. Now of course we've all thought about it before, right? Was I rich? Was I poor? Was I royal? Was I powerful? But does everyone believe in past lives? Mm, No, and that's okay. To be honest, most will never even remember it anyway, so who cares, right? But I do want to share some experiences, including one I had. Now, a while back, a friend pointed me in the direction of a meditative YouTube video. It's called Past Life Regression Session by Brian Weiss. That's W-E-I-S-S. So this man, Brian, he's a psychiatrist, a hypotherapist, or not a hypo, (laughs) a hypnotherapist, sorry. Now his specialty, of course, is past life regression. Now he has written many books that talk about past lives, reincarnation, future life progression, which is crazy, (laughs) but interesting, and survival of the soul after death. Now, hypnotherapy, let's, let's talk about this. Um, I don't know what I think about it, honestly, but maybe it's just because I don't really know enough about it. And if you don't know what hypnotherapy is, it's a mind-body intervention where hypnosis is used to put the person in a calm and very clear state to focus attention on the concern that they're trying to help or explore. So this could be a medical condition or a psychological disorder or a concern that they want to change. I've seen videos of hypnosis. I've never experienced it firsthand. But I just, uh, I'm not sure if I believe it or not. But anyway, back to this video. So my friend sent it to me and they were like, try this video. I found it on TikTok. And we all know sometimes the shit on TikTok isn't 100%. (laughs) But for some reason, I gave it a shot anyway. Because I do like listening to these voice meditations where someone's talking and you're just kind of relaxing. I like that. We used to do them in high school, in band class. All my band geeks out there, you remember? I used to like doing those, even though most kids used it as nap time. (laughs) But it was fun. So yeah, I was just like, I'll give it a shot. So I went to lay in a dark room in a very relaxed position. They don't recommend you lay on a bed because you may fall asleep. So I kind of reclined in a recliner we had. And now I guess I should explain what this video's purpose is. 
So this video has claimed that this meditation experience allows you to view a past life because we've all had past lives. They're stored in our conscious. We just don't remember them. And sometimes things in this life will make you feel like, why does this feel familiar? Or why does this smell familiar? Or I feel like I've been here before. You ever had a moment like that? Well, Weiss claims that the reason we feel that is because we've been through it or seen it or smelt it or whatever in a past life. So he says that this meditation will reach into your core memories and bring it out. So I was like, eh, whatever, let me just try it. Now in the video, all you're doing is listening to his voice and his directions. And it's a journey, y'all. He takes you on a journey to get you to the most relaxed position that honestly I have ever felt in my life. And I can't remember off the top of my head, but I'll get into the part where I actually felt myself drift into another state of mind. It was very dreamlike. So kind of hazy, but also I remember this little mist of white around the images that I was seeing. So to begin, he allows us to go and retrieve one of our very first true memories that we've ever stored in our conscious. Now I've never shared this experience with anyone, so this is a creepy cheese first you're hearing it first. I think I shared this with my brother and my mother. I don't know if I shared it with my sister, but because people think you're crazy when you talk about stuff like this, but I'm going to share it with you guys because it was very personal to me and let me just get right into it. So yeah, so he takes us to see our first true memory that we remember. Now, some people actually remember memories of birth, like that's how far back our memories go. But mine was of me holding my mother's hand on a rainy day. We were dressed up. Now, I could only see, like from my point of view, I could only see my feet and below my mom's waist. I knew it was raining or that it had rained because the pavement was wet. I had white dress shoes on, white tights, and this little royal blue peacoat. That's all I could see. Like, I would look down and I just see the blue, the white tights, and the white shoes. Now, that color blue is honestly my favorite, and I'm always very drawn to it. Now, this memory may be why. Just saying. <laughs> so, yeah, that's all the memory was. But I also felt carefree, careless, like a child, innocent. Um... Neither of us spoke. It was just us walking. I remember hearing my mom's heels on the pavement and me trying to keep up with her steps. So then Weiss comes back, his voice, and he changes direction and makes you fall deeper into your conscious. And at this point, I felt as one would in a, in a dream. I had no control over what was happening anymore. Now, as Weiss is speaking, he makes you walk through a door. And he tells you that before you open this door, that what you'll find behind it is you in a past life. I see the light of a fire off to the side. And I'm guessing the time period had to be mid-1800s because when I looked down, I wore a very heavy, thick, material skirt with a gray apron over top. 
I had black shoes on, maybe boots. I don't remember. I spent some time looking around. It was a very small one-room house. And the floor was dirt. There was no floor. But then I noticed that there's two children playing by the fire. A boy and a girl. Now the boy, he was blurred and, and a little bit hazy. So I couldn't really see his detail. But when I walked to them, the little girl looked right at me. She had very pale, light skin, but her eyes, she had those piercing blue eyes, my God, and long blonde hair. Now she had to be about three or four years old, but as I looked at her, I felt overcome with this emotion, a love that I have never in my life experienced. And then again, I zone in on Weiss's voice and he takes me to my death in that life. Now in the same cabin or room that I was in, I'm now laying in this bed looking at a now older version of what I assume is the same little girl. She was maybe about anywhere from 12 to 15 years old and she was really sad and crying. On the side of me, on the left side of the bed, stood the boy who was also older, still a little blurred, I really couldn't see detail, and this man. Now the man I could see, and he was dressed again from the 1800s, long brown hair about shoulder length, and those piercing blue eyes like the little girl. When I looked at him, I'm not kidding y'all, you know how like your first love, like your first love you fall in love with, right? I had butterflies in my stomach and I just felt in awe of him and I knew that I loved this man. I was at peace and I felt happy having them around me. I knew I was sick or something was wrong and then Weiss's voice comes back and the meditation is over and I'm not kidding. I woke up with tears in my eyes and oddly I missed the people I saw. I don't know how to explain it, but you know how like when you have to leave a family member that you know you're not going to see for a long time? That's what I felt like and I was crying. Now was this really a past life of mine? I don't know. But what I do know, I felt real emotion. And I still think about this ever since 2020. And I I just, I still get like, um, like I want to cry. To have emotion like that makes me think that maybe it was real, right? Because why do I feel those emotions for those people that I only saw for like 10 seconds, not even joking? It just makes me think. And then what I want to explain before I move on is, yes, the blue color, the blue of my jacket. I, like I said, I'm drawn to that color blue. I love that color, royal blue as one would call it. And then the eyes of the little girl and the man, I am in awe of people with blue eyes, especially a certain blue. Like it, it's, it's almost like a royal blue, but a very blue. I've always been drawn to that. I mean, guys with long hair, <laughs> doesn't matter what color. Um, but yeah, I just, it's, it's, it's strange. And it made me, I was very emotional. But I, I was excited and I wanted to share this with my brother. So when he got home from work, I was like, dude, you need to try this. And so I made him do it that same night. 
And I joined in too because I thought like maybe I'll have the same memory. Maybe I will see them again. But I didn't. And it doesn't always work. Why says that? It doesn't always work because you have to be in a calm state of conscious. You can't be stressed or thinking about other things. You have to truly focus on this one thing. And my brother fell asleep during it because he was laying in a bed. And I told him not to. But I remember I was like, did you did you see anything? And he was like, no, I just fell asleep. I was relaxed. I'm like, okay. So do past lives exist? I don't know. But many people successfully see things with this specific meditation. But past lives, if they exist, are just that, past lives. And most of us will never even remember any part of them. However, unless you do remember. These next few stories I have for you are actual stories of reincarnation by real people. Do I believe in reincarnation? Hmm, I don't know. Again, it's like the past lives and all of that. Do I believe in reincarnation? Um... I don't know. To me, that's the same question as do I believe in life after death? Because, again, we will never truly know, right? But these stories definitely make me think twice. And I wanted to share them with you, so here we go. Now, we've all heard the term, right? Reincarnation. But what does... What what do you know? Like, what do you, what do you know about it? What does it mean? So I looked it up, and what I found is that reincarnation also known as rebirth or transmigration, is the philosophical or religious concept that the non-physical essence of a living being begins a new life in a different physical form or body after death. Now, transmigration means the passing of one soul from one body to another after a person has died. Reincarnation is truly believed in many Indian religions, like Buddhism, But religions such as Christianity and Islam don't believe it at all because you only have one life, correct? So let's start with this story of William Barnes, who actually wrote a book about his past life memory, Thomas Andrews. Yes, Thomas Andrews. Does the name ring a bell? Well, if you're like me and have watched Titanic over a hundred times in your life, then yes, he was the man who helped build the great Titanic. Now, William started to have these strange memories about the age of four. He had drawn a ship with four stacks, and he told his parents the ship was his. He then began to ask his mom to call him Tommy, and always spoke of his two brothers and a sister, some aunts and some uncles, all of which his parents had no idea who they were. So little William would have these night terrors of a big ship towering above him, and he said he could hear screaming and arguing. He described freezing water and a giant metal falling around him. Now the poor boy would have these dreams often, almost nightly, and he would wake up screaming. The dreams continued until he was older. At the age of 25, William moved to Washington, D.C., but the dreams still continued. So eventually, he had had enough and he went to see a hypnotherapist. Now in one of his sessions, he heard him arguing about the ship's design. After he came out of hypnosis, 
he revealed to his therapist that he was Tommy Andrews. Thomas Andrews, he was from uh, Northern Ireland, born in 1873, and he was a shipbuilder. Not only was he in charge of the plans for Titanic, but he also was on board the voyage of 1912, which we all know ended very tragically. And no, Jack and Rose were not actual passengers. But Thomas Andrews died in the tragedy. Now at 38 years old, William Barnes moved to Arizona and got married. Now his wife recounts one night that William woke up shouting names of people that she'd never heard of with a very unusual accent. Now the nightmares continued and began to take a very big toll on William. He became very depressed and even became suicidal. His wife forced him to get some help and to get evaluated by doctors. Now, one doctor in 1997 tried hypnotic age regression that he claims successfully helps people who have like big fears or phobias. Now, William was skeptical, but after many sessions, he actually felt like he was getting his life back and it was helping. Now, some of these therapy sessions had been recorded, which, if you're interested, he did release in an audiobook. Now, in those recordings, you can hear the Northern Ireland accent. He also describes the incident as well as how he died. Now, as if that's not weird enough, William Barnes was born on April 14th, 1953, which is the anniversary of the Titanic sinking. 41 years later. Coincidence or not? I mean, if I would have met him at an older age and hear him talking about this, you know, you can easily look up information about a person and find out about their life. But he started this when he was four. And that to me is just, I don't know. Like you, I don't know. I don't know. But very interesting story. Now, this next story is about Barbro Carlin. Now, Barbro was born in Sweden in 1954. At the age of 12, she had her poetry published. And to this day, that book is very popular. Now, since that book, she has written lots more poetry. When Barbro was young, she started having nightmares, just like William Barnes experienced. Her parents said that she would wake up screaming and shaking. At the age of two, she told her parents that her name was Anne. Anne Frank. Yeah, the Anne Frank. But her parents kind of ignored it and went about their day. Uh, She was two years old, right? So the dreams continued and eventually Barbara became really upset that nobody was calling her Anne. She grew up feeling very lost, very out of place, and alone. Now, around this time, the diary of Anne Frank had only been translated into a few languages. Swedish was not one of them. So, that's just a little proof that she couldn't have read the book. Not until, I believe, the late 50s was it then translated. Maybe even the 60s. So, Barbara said that she tried to live normally as Barbara. But she knew deep down inside that she always felt as she was, that she was Anne. And she also felt like she was waiting for her real dad to come and get her. 
Now, at the age of six, after hearing her consistently talk about her other life as Anne, her parents, they started to get worried. Like, she's not dropping it. You know, most kids, they'll just, if they obsess over something, eventually they move on from it. But Barbara, for years now, continued bringing it up and having dreams. So they take her to see the psychiatrist. But the little girl ends up shutting down. Now, like many people, she told no one believed her. And so she didn't think that the doctor would either. So she tells the doctor that nothing's wrong. And the doctor tells her parents that she's just witnessed a normal child and it was nothing to worry about. So she did get quiet about it and held everything in, but her dreams and memories, they still continued. And at the age of seven, after learning to write, she starts writing down her memories. Now eventually she destroyed them. She was scared that if anybody found them, they would think she was crazy. But she loved to write and she began writing poetry around age 11. She was so good at it that a family friend offered to help her get her first book published. But before that happened, at the age of 10, Barbara and her family, they took a trip to Amsterdam to sightsee. Now, one of those historical sites was the home of Anne Frank. So the family waved for a taxi, but Barbara reassured that they didn't need a taxi because she knew where to go and how to get there. Now, her parents were completely shocked and they kind of were just like, um, okay, and they went along with it. One, they were confused because they had never been to Amsterdam for her to know the streets and whatever. And and two, for years, she talked about this. So they kind of saw this as a moment to be like, okay, let's see if this is for real. So they follow her. They follow her down the street. Lots of streets, lots of turns. And right as they almost got there, she says, we're almost there. And they arrived very shortly after that. But that's not all. When they get to the home, Barbara says, ah, the front stairs, they changed them. <laughs> it's just, like, imagine your kids, <laughs> imagine going through this with your kid. <laughs> like, what the heck? They go into the home, and as soon as they enter, Barbara was reminded of the night terrors. So she kind of became anxious. She was scared. She was having cold sweats, so her mom could see that in her. When she went to the bedroom of Anne Frank, Barbara's mother said that she looked sick, like she was going to pass out. But anyway, Barbara looked at the wall and said, look at the pictures. But there were no pictures. So Barbara said, I know the pictures were there. So later, the mom, she, she sees an employee and she starts asking them questions about pictures in the bedroom. And he said, yes, that they did have pictures before, but they took them down because guests were taking and stealing them. They also found out that the front stairs had been reconstructed. This was the day that Barbara's parents finally believed their daughter. Her mother more so than her father. Her father really kind of was like, eh, you know, this is crazy. But today, Barbara has actually made contact with one of Anne's family, a cousin of hers. And she told him the story. So I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think? I don't I don't know what to say. But the fact that she can remember at the age of two. And like the last story, again, the dreams. Why the dreams, you know? So that one was really interesting. All right, this last story I have about reincarnation 
is about James Leninger. Leninger, I believe that's how you say it. Now, at the age of three, James began drawing very detailed pictures of airplane jets. He would sign them as James Three. He would put the number three. He would draw pictures of planes on fire, ships with planes, and when asked why the three was put after his name, he would say, because I'm the third James. Now, the young boy loved airplanes. His parents took him to a flight museum, and he was just completely mesmerized by the World War II fighter plane. Now, they took him to tour the planes, and while the other kids excitedly played around, and he was invested. He knew things. Even his parents didn't. At one point, his mom pointed under the plane, and she said, that's a bomb. And he said, no, it's not. That's a drop tank. Damn, James. (laughs) But again, like the others, the nightmares began. Now, James would wake up in terror, screaming, four to five times a week, and he would experience these dreams. James was very young, and he didn't know how to express what he was feeling, so they'd have him draw and describe what he was seeing. He even told his parents the name of his boat. James said it was named Natoma. The USS Natoma Bay was on its way to Japan during World War II. It was part of one of the biggest naval battles of the war. Now, an army vet who hosts a yearly Natoma reunion. Somebody told him about him, I think, and then he was just like, I gotta meet him. So when they met, the boy had so many questions about the ship, about the crew, and the young boy gave names, and the veteran knew some of the men he mentioned. Young James had these three G.I. Joe dolls that he had named, and when his parents saw the remembrance plaque, the three names were on it first and last. Also on the list was James Houston. James Houston was 21 years old and a fighter pilot aboard the Natoma ship. Now James told his parents those men greeted him in heaven after he crashed it. The veteran was so amazed that he actually invited the boy to the Natoma reunion. When the little boy arrived, He just like walked up to these men, a few, and knew their names. But also at the reunion was James Houston's sister, Anne. When James met Anne, he said, It's not Anne, it's Annie. And she's not my oldest sister. I have another one. Her name was Ruth. Anne was completely floored when James said this. Because she did have a sister, Ruth, and she was the oldest. She even said that some of his little personality traits reminded her of her brother. Yeah, that one is weird that he knew all of that, but it's stories like that where people know details so personal. And then the dreams. Why the vivid dreams? Not everyone believes in reincarnation, and and I understand why. But in working with children, one thing I do know is that they are innocent and honest. So... For a two-year-old, four-year-old to start this and then also carry on into their adult life still having nightmares? I don't know. I don't know. But what I can say is that we may never know what happens to us after we die. It's scary for that reason. That's why people are afraid of death. However, we can only hope it's as peaceful as everyone says. 
All right, a quick listener tale before we go. I know this was a long one, but there were a lot of stories to share with you today. Um, This one comes from listener Silvia. And Silvia replied to my post where I asked about ghosts and paranormal experiences. Um, So she shared hers with me. So she explains that her first experience was at age four. Now, Silvia grew up where I did. And a lot of my listeners, you'll know exactly what she's talking about. So, yeah, (laughs) Uh, once upon a time, we had this beautiful mall in our town and behind it were these giant power lines and towers that go through like the whole town. Now, eventually they did build like a bike trail back there along the power lines. And I remember like walking back there and you can hear all the electricity currents moving through the wires. It's kind of scary. So Silvia lived near the power lines. So she goes on to say, I had my first experience when I was four. I lived across the street from the mall and I remember having a hard time sleeping only to wake up frozen in place, watching this child spirit come through my window. Floated about 12 feet into my room and at the time I shared a room with my aunt. I tried screaming her name, but it felt like I had a hairball in my throat. Trying with all my might, I couldn't move. Then Spirit said she didn't mean to do it, and finally, I was able to run out of the room and across the hall to my parents. My grandma did a cleanse over me, and I haven't been able to see them as clear as that first time, but I see shadows still, can feel their presence, and sometimes their voices if they have enough energy or am at my weakest. I tried looking up children passing in 93-94, but didn't find anything. But apparently many people drowned by the little river that was at the end of my block where I used to live. We also seen a lot of weird lights and just creepy things in that area by the mall. If you take a walk by where the old theater used to be, you can feel heavy weight on your chest. I don't dare to go there, but the last time I went to see a movie there, I had trouble breathing and my ears rang the whole time. I know what river you're talking about. And it always scared me when I was walking the bike trail. And the weird lights have always been seen back there, believe it or not. It's harder now because they've torn down so much of the forest that you can almost see right through it to the next street, which is sad. But yeah, (laughs) I used to have a friend who lived right by the forest. I wonder if they ever saw any weird lights in the forest. Now, Silvia mentioned this old theater that was next to the mall. Because the mall used to have a theater inside of it. And then there was one like way across. She said even though the theater isn't there anymore, you can still feel that heaviness on your chest. It's true. I hate, there's a little road that goes like behind there around the whole mall. And it's a shortcut because you don't get as many lights as you would taking the main streets. What was that? Did you hear that? (laughs) I heard something weird. Let me finish and get out of here. (laughs) But yeah, there's a little street back there. And I hate driving that street at night. I hate it. Because yes, you feel just like, oh, like you got to get out of there. Like you're not wanted. The heaviness on my chest though, I don't know if I felt that. She told me that her aunt used to work there and she has a lot of stories about the theater. So girl, we want the chisme. (laughs) Get your aunt to tell us some of those stories. Um, but then Sylvia goes on to mention that the power lines that are back in that area by the bike trail, she thinks is a hot spot for spirits. 
And I couldn't agree more because the energy back there is awful. It is awful. And not just that, like there's a cemetery back there. Oh, I hate the bike trail. I hate it. So I can't imagine having to live back there. Oof. Yeah, that's that's pretty scary. <laughs> so thank you for sharing that with us, Silvia. It's always fun to hear stories about, you know, where we live. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And if you did, make sure to rate with a five-star rating and leave a review on Apple Podcasts so that more people will be intrigued and join us next time. One of us. One of us. <laughs> Don't forget to find me on Instagram, Facebook groups, where I post all my updates, and TikTok. Did you catch my last TikTok? Serial killers last meals before execution. Ew, I know, but it was good. Go check it out. Stay warm, Northerners and Southerners, because climate change is kicking our arses. Until next time, mi gente. Gracias por escuchar y nos vemos pronto. Creepy Chisme is created for entertainment purposes only. Thanks for listening, and don't forget, stay creepy and spread the chisme. Adios, mi gente.